the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. He's dead too. You're dead. They're dead. We're all dead. That's what God's Word tells us, right? Everybody, apart from Christ, is dead. In Romans 5, 12, we read this. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death spread through sin, so death spread to all men, to all people, because all sin. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so blessed by each and every one of you for choosing to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And as always, we encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith delivers another message from his sermon series entitled, Rethinking Church. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Romans, chapter 1. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. We often say God's Word doesn't return void. And we don't really think about everything that that means. It doesn't mean that if you read the Bible to somebody, they're all going to get saved. It's like this. God's Word only goes out. The Gospel only goes out for one of two reasons. Salvation or condemnation. So when you present the gospel, you're either giving them the words of life or you're taking away one less excuse that they're going to try to throw out at the end of the age. I didn't know. The gospel is either the way of life to them or an extra nail in their coffin. And you are commanded to deliver that gospel and not play with it. So don't try and air freshen it or sanitize it. Leave it with them. Let it make them uncomfortable. Let it smell to them. But whatever you do, don't play with the ingredients. Which brings us to our fourth question. But what is the gospel? What is the gospel? And the Apostle Paul gets to the heart of the matter in 1 Corinthians 15. We have 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8. We're going to focus on really three through uh, four or five. But here's what it says. For I delivered to you, watch this, 
of first importance. For I delivered to you of primary importance. What was that? What I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, but some whom have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. Now, did you notice something there? There were these things that are matters of first importance. Things essential. Three things. One, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Two, that he was buried. Right? He died and he was buried in accordance with the scriptures. Three, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. These are things that cannot be tampered with. Now, Tonight in night school, what's night school? Night school is that five to six hour where I talk for 30 minutes about a a theological or issue and then for 30 minutes we feel questions. Tonight we're going to talk about the importance of the resurrection. I'm not going to do that here today, so that's a plug for night school. Be there or be square, right? But anyway, um, these things are things that cannot be tampered with. And the big stink here, the big problem with the gospel is that Christ died according to the scriptures. But some people say, well, those three elements, that Christ died, that he rose, you know, in accordance with the scriptures, that, you know, these things, these things aren't that important. Can you find them anywhere else in the scriptures? Sure you can. Find them in Romans 10, 9 through 12, right? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But did you notice what was in there? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So what's the problem there? Well, you believe that Jesus is Lord. That's good. You believe that his father raised him from the dead. You will be saved. This is your confession, right? So what is the problem? What is the problem here? What is the problem with the fact that Christ died, that Christ rose, that Christ saves? These are matters of first importance. What is the problem? Why would people want to sanitize? That is the gospel, right? So what... What is the problem here, really? Because this is the gospel. And what happens is we look at those three essentials and we don't think them through. We don't take up each component part and examine it closely from different angles to make sure that we understand what's going on there. Well, we come to our fifth question. Why does the gospel really offend? I mean, what would be wrong with Jesus died, Jesus rose, Jesus saves? What is the big stink? It was right there. It was in both passages, hidden in plain sight, hiding in plain sight. Did you see it? I've kind of alluded to it already. I kind of gave away the farm a little while ago that Christ died, that Christ had to die in accordance with the scriptures. 
That's the stink. That Christ died in accordance with the scriptures. This is the key part of the gospel that offends, that divides. This is where you find the sword. You're like, well, I don't see anything too bad there. This is the bitter pill to many. This is where implicitly there and explicitly in the scriptures, we find out that we're not okay. That we're not okay. Well, not okay sounds harmless. Well, what does that mean that you're not okay? Here's where the stink comes in. Because everybody is a sinner. Everyone. We don't like that. Everyone from that cute little toddler sitting in your in granddaddy's lap to that winsome high schooler and valedictorian who got killed in a car crash without embracing the gospel. The person handing you your coffee, whether it's at the fast food establishment or a barista at one of those high-end coffee shops, they're all the walking dead. And that's where the stink comes in. Your job as a believer is to deliver the message that they are in need, not just of help, but of eternal life. That they are not okay. That they are, as we were, as Jesse read up here a moment ago, the walking dead spiritually. They are a dead and dying sinner. But some might suggest, well, wait a minute, I'm a a good person. I'm certainly no worse than the next person. Well, you're probably not. He's dead too. You're dead. They're dead. We're all dead. That's what God's word tells us, right? Everybody apart from Christ, is dead. In Romans 5, 12, we read this. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death spread through sin, so death spread to all men, to all people, because all sinned. Who sinned? Everybody did. Who acted sinfully? Everyone. I remember years ago, we were in a different church, and we were not at that time in full-time vocational ministry. And my wife was meeting with a, an older woman and she was, they were, you know, you give your testimony. And the woman goes, now here's, here's why I differ. I don't buy that stuff that I was a sinner. Yeah, I embraced Christ, but I wasn't a sinner. I, I'm not a sinner. Well, you knew that woman, she wasn't saved. If she believed that way, you can't embrace Christ on your own terms. You have to confess to being a killer, to being a sinner, Who is a sinner? You, me, everyone. But wait, what is a sinner? And this is where the stink comes in. People who sin. And what is sin? Sin is doing anything outside the will of God. Now, everyone at some level knows that they do things on purpose that are wrong. They just don't like to be told about it. And when culturally, when people hear that everyone is a sinner, that everything, every one of us has done something immoral, wrong, horrendous in the sight of a holy God, they feel attacked. And someone ang- angrily will say, well, who died and made you God? Nobody. Someone did die. He didn't make me God and he didn't make you God. But to answer their question, who decides what sin is? Well, That gets back to the will of God, the word of God, and the Bible. That gets back to the prepositional phrase in accordance with the scriptures. And what do the scriptures say that we should not do? Well, I mean, most of us, 
older folks today know the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make an engraved image and worship or venerate it. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not lie about people. You shall not resent your neighbor for who he is or what God has given him. Beyond this, in the New Testament, we read this. uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Who are the unrighteous? What do they look like? They're sinners of all shapes and sizes. Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. That would be cross-dressers, by way of illustration. Nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. See, this covers everyone in this room. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. What do we have here? We have condemnation. Condemnation with hope. Condemnation with hope. Condemnation and hope. The offense is, is that people love the hope and hate the condemnation. And in God's gospel, you have to explain both to them and they have to ex- embrace both ideas. That's why Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. The bad news and the good news, the condemnation and the hope, that's the gospel in a sentence. To embrace the gospel, you have to realize you're a sinner because you sin. And your sin stinks in the nostrils of a holy God. It is an offense to him. You violate God's will. You violate God's law. You violate God's word. You violate his holiness. And that causes a stink in today's world. And that's because you're not okay. Your sin and the condemnation it brings is not an illness You can't say I was made that way. It's not your sexual orientation. You can't plea bargain it by trying to plead insanity. Well, I have this problem. You know, today, drunkenness is considered an illness. But you had to commit a series of moral offenses to get there, right? Drug addiction is created as an illness. But you had to go buy illicit drugs or abuse prescription drugs to get there. In the exception, if somebody were to give it one, proves the rule. Well, wait a minute, doesn't this verse here say the free gift of God? Free to you, right? Costly to Christ. That's part of the gospel where we read Christ died, right? Christ died. He was buried. This is before he rose. Why did he die? Because you killed him. You killed him. Yeah, the Romans participated, the Jews in that day. But you and I, we killed him. We killed him. Think of yourself as an accessory after the fact. Can you confess that? Because if you can't admit to that, if you won't admit to that, you can't be saved. Do you understand that? That's the gospel. That you're guilty as charged. The wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life. You deserve death of the most agonizing and humiliating kind. But God took steps to secure your rescue and pardon despite who you were and how you were and despite your grotesque complicity 
and the greatest injustice of all time. Where do we read this? We read this in Romans 5, 6 through 11. I'm going to hit 5, 6, 8, and 11 for the sake of time. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. But God shows his love for us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. More than that, we also rejoice through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom now we have reconciliation. Why did we need reconciliation? Why did Christ have to die? Because we killed him. He had to die for our sin. He had to take our sin upon him. He died as our substitute. Our sin, and yet we can receive pardon, forgiveness if we confess to the crime, so to speak. Our salvation was free to him, excuse me, free to us, but costly to him. From the agonies of the cross to receiving punishment in our place because we were not okay. We were the ungodly. And there's the problem. That's the real offense that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. When he gives those three things that are of first importance, that's the first one. And that's the sticking point that Christ died for our sin in accordance with the scriptures. This is where the stink comes in. This is what divides families. This is what is so offensive to the culture today. This is why the gospel is an offense. There's no getting away from it. The gospel says that you were once enemies of God. And Christ died for your sin. You didn't deserve eternal life. You deserved hell. You deserved hell and God offered you life. In fact, God purchased your forgiveness. And that's offensive to some people because we live in a culture that self-worships. That's all about comfort, all about ease, all about self-esteem. Can you say, can you say I once deserved hell? Does that offend you? Can you say that? It's not fashionable. The gospel says that Christ, not you, was good enough to reconcile you to God. So you're not special. In fact, you now belong to him. The gospel says there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But there is a condemnation. There is a hell awaiting those who are not in Christ. Everyone's name who is not written in the Lamb's book of life is destined to the lake of fire. And that's why the gospel is offensive. So no one remember this. Your gospel explanation, the gospel that you explain to people, needs to be the complete gospel. You deliver the message and let God do the rest. You are an errand boy or an errand girl. I remember once I was told to prepare a gospel presentation, an elevator speech that I could give in 90 seconds. This was before I went to seminary. The emphasis was on brevity because... You got to get the job done and you got 90 seconds. But you know what? I appreciate the sentiment and it's helpful to think of a brief gospel presentation. But it's better to invest time in the individual for a subsequent conversation than to have this 90 second presentation in an elevator. It's better to sit down over a cup of coffee or over a meal or have them in your home and take time to get to know them, to sit, to talk, to explain the whole gospel. Because when we abbreviate, when we truncate the gospel, when we edit the gospel, we 
run the risk of inoculating people to the gospel. And they'll say the next time, oh, I heard that. Yeah, I prayed a prayer a prayer once. Been to church since then? No, I'm not, I don't go to church. Well, I'm going to tell you, we'll talk about this next week. If you don't go to church, I can guarantee you there's a 99% chance you're not a Christian. And so we give this gospel that is like a medicine that they don't take enough of. And they develop this super bug inoculation against the truth. So, by way of application, let me just give you a couple of suggestions here. Number one, rethink the gospel and make sure you understand it. Because you want to administer the gospel as prescribed. You want to administer the gospel as prescribed. You, you, to do less, to do less would be tragic. So rethink your understanding of the gospel because eternities are at stake. And you live to present the gospel. That's the Great Commission. So deliver the message. Deliver his message, not your message. And here are five suggestions on how to do that. Number one, be sure you understand the gospel before you explain it. It's not that complicated. It's just hard to deliver and hard to take sometimes. Number two, be sure you've understood the gospel and that you've embraced it yourself, that you're, sur- that you're surrendered to it fully. Because otherwise, who knows what you'll tell them. Number three, never abbreviate the gospel. Give them the whole enchilada. Don't give them the just believe in Jesus version. You know, the church today, Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. And the 20th and 21st century church says, believe the gospel. We left off something. Give them the whole gospel. And number four, do not try, do not try, do not try to soften it. Do not try to sanitize it. Do not commit that sin against a holy God and against the cross. Number five, beware of easy believism. Beware, you know, when they pray to prayer, if they do pray to prayer, prayer, great. But don't, don't take that for granted. I think I've shared with you before, I, I inherited a baptism class at a church I was at, a 10-week baptism class. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. But I can't tell you how many times by weeks four, five, and six that the candidates for baptism came to Christ because they, they had done the easy, easy believism thing and their lives were transformed. So be thorough. For the word of God says, for I delivered to you first of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. But the lead off point is, is that Christ died for our sins, your sins, my sins, their sins, in accordance with the scriptures. And the scriptures say that they're not okay. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the clarity of the scriptures. That when we see a a prepositional phrase like in accordance with the scriptures, we know it's loaded, Father. We know that we are to read the whole Bible, to understand the whole truth, to be whole Christians who deliver the whole gospel and nothing less. We understand that we are to administer that soul medication as directed so that they can take as directed 
that we would not deliver anything less and allow them or us to become hardened to the truth. Help us, Father, to regain our prophetic voice as a church, as Christians, to proclaim the truth in season and out of season. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408 269 4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.